Hey, everybody, and welcome to Bronze and Modern Gods, Volume 4. I am John, and I'm joined, as always, by my best buddy, Richard. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hey, John. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, I've been I've been holed up in the house here. This is week seven for us out here in Southern California. And man, I have become just the pro in bagging, boarding, and alphabetizing. <laughs> How about you? Yep, same here. I've been I've been going through my books and uh, putting them in the proper order and um, just keeping keeping count, getting new books in too. It's been it's been amazing. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Our topic today is how to buy on eBay, how to protect yourself, what to look for, who to deal with. We're going to give you all sorts of great tips from our combined eighty-five years experience on eBay. <laughs> uh, we're also going to talk about sometimes. Doesn't Oh my God. Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, we're also going to talk about the hot bronze, uh, maybe copper book of the week. That's a little, uh, little, uh, spoiler there. And we're also going to talk about our, uh, our underrated, uh, books of the week. And of course our artist spotlight this week is on the one and only Todd McFarlane. But first speaking of Todd, I'm going to put it over to you, Richard, and you can tell everybody about the hot book of the week. Ah, my pick for Hot Book of the Week is Amazing Spider-Man 300. It's the famous uh, cover that has been swiped so many times over the years by Todd McFarlane. It is the uh, first appearance of Venom, and it is the Black Costumes uh, swan song. It's an amazing cover um, from an amazing artist. I think we really hit hit it through the uh, you know over the ballpark with this cover. And it has become an iconic part of comic books. You can't escape it. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons why this book does so well in 9.8. And uh, I know you hear me say this on every podcast, but I was there, kids, when this happened. <laughs> I was managing a comic book shop at the time. And Amazing Spider-Man at that time was really kind of a dud in terms of sales. Uh, I mean, it was still popular don't get me wrong but it wasn't anywhere near the heights it used to be at and you had this post tom defalco ron friends just malaise happening in the title after those two left the book it was kind of directionless for the longest time and so uh todd mcfarlane came on and at the time he was really known for two things uh a run on infinity inc where he was just completely smothered by the inker and a run on The Incredible Hulk where he got a little bit of buzz, but he wasn't really a name yet. So Amazing Spider-Man 298 through 300 were not really heavily ordered books that you might think they were. So when you see this book going for crazy amounts at 9.8 for being a Copper Age book, there's a reason. Um, it's got a black uh, cover border that's really tough. It picks up every every little nook and cranny there along the spine. It also is a book prone to a lot of printing errors in terms of bindery tears and things like that for it being double-sized. So it is legitimately a tough book in 9.8. Now, having said that, uh, CGC has graded over 17,000 copies of this <laughs> book in various grades. It's not hard to find a copy. It's harder to find a 9.8 and not pay through the nose for it. Right. The, the 9.8s are only 5% of the uh, current census from CGC. That's about 1,000 books out of, out of all the books that have been graded over the year. And the census is uh, CGC's record of all the books that they have graded over time and only at about about a thousand of those books are um 
are actually the 9.8s. And 9.8s are going for about $2,000 now versus a 9.6, the next highest grade, at about 600 So you could tell that rarity really comes into play when it comes to the cost of this book. Now, I'm I'm a cynical old man. When I see modern and copper books going for this much, I'm like, there's tons of them. Come on, people, don't don't fall for it. In this case, you can fall for it. It's it's legit. Now, New Mutants in 98, we can have a whole other discussion about that. <laughs> what you're talking about. But uh, this was also a time right before that big surge in collecting that happened in the early 90s. This is 88, 89. Uh, if I'm more 88, if I'm 88, right. yeah. So, you know, you had some hardcore collectors yet, but it had not uh, all the people who were collecting baseball cards had not moved over to comics yet <laughs> when that market tanked. So uh, it is legitimately a tough book and that hockey stick in 9.8 is justified. I feel. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very popular book. Everyone wants a, co a copy of this book. The iconic book from that point, the point in time and it is venom. And uh, I know a lot of people nostalgic, nostalgically look back and want this book. Uh, so I, I think it's a solid, solid pick. It is a uh, what I consider one of the blue chip books mm -hmm. um, of, of collecting. Uh, in other words, if you put money into it, you are more than likely get your money back if you go to sell it, if not make a profit. Um, long term, always long term investments, always with caveats, but definitely something that I would consider to be an important book. And 25-year rule. What's the 25-year rule, Richard? Uh, I'm not sure. What is a 25-year rule? I'm glad you asked. Who prompted <laughs> you? A 25-year rule. The books you grew up with or you collected 25 years later, you want nostalgia. You want to go back and get those books and buy them again if you sold them and got rid of them. So if you came up as a kid and like Transformers and G.I. Joe, 25 years later as a collector, guess what you're going to go get? You're going to want those Transformers and G.I. Joe books. So 1988, we're past that 25-year point, if I'm doing my math correctly. I, yeah, I was told there would be no math. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you were coming up on that 25-year rule. And we see it happen all the time with books in a 25-year uh, uh, surge, I guess is the way to put it. Mm -hmm. Right, right, definitely. And like, like, like I said, I think this book has legs. Um, you will, no matter what grade you get, I think you will be uh, impressed with your returns over time. And again, an iconic cover, a first appearance. You can argue about the first appearance. You know, was it really in 299, the last panel? Do we have a Wolverine oh, uh, 180 thing happening? Yeah. Or is it Web of Spider-Man number 17 when the unseen Eddie Brock's arms shoved Peter Parker in front of the subway? <laughs> Some people used to consider that the first appearance of Eddie Brock and Venom. You know, you can slice and dice any way you want, but three hundred is the one you want. In, in my my opinion, whatever the whatever we as a community decide is the first appearance is the first first appearance, regardless of the facts. Okay, there you go. That's a good way to put it. All right, so there's your your hot book of the week. It's a, kind of an obvious pick, but sometimes the obvious picks are the best ones. Uh, right. So, I mean, there's a reason why people buy Apple stock because it's worth something, right? Uh, right. Uh, so, uh, another another running thing we like to do is show off our nerd shirts of the week. You go first, Richard. Okay, I am wearing my Marvel shirt. <laughs> nice and simple and classic. Nice and simple. Yes. Yes. I am now three for four with Jack Kirby shirts. <laughs> I now have my, my Jack Kirby uh, 
cover of Captain America 193, probably my favorite single issue slash uh, cover art of all time. And when I saw they made a shirt of it, I about lost my mind a few years ago. So. <laughs> yeah, Kirby yeah. and Cap for you, I think, is there, uh, it's an unbeatable combination. Yeah, I, You know, I have to agree. So, all right, you want a Cap 193. You want an amazing Spider-Man 309.8. Where do you go to find it? Your local comic shop doesn't have it. The flea market's not working for you. You can't leave the house because there is a huge pandemic. What can you do? Go on eBay, right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It, eBay eBay is a huge marketplace. I would have to say that a tremendous amount of comic books are, are bought and sold over eBay. Um, it is definitely a place to look if you are, and, and as John said, unable to go to your LCS or go to conventions, it's a great resource to find those rare books or even just, you know, books to fill your collection. But there are a number of rules that you kind of want to keep uh, keep in mind as you shop through eBay. And some of those rules are as follows. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, first of all, and I think one of the most important things to remember is people will list comic books on eBay for a price. That price is almost always inflated over what the actual value of the comic is. So if a comic book is, is valued by a reputable uh, place like um, uh, GPA, uh, GPA analysis, which uh, grades or rates graded books, uh, or Go Collect is another place that uh, I turn to for graded books. And they will have, if you go to their site, they will have values of, of books. Uh, and if they value a book for $500, for, for example, let's say, and you go on eBay and eBay, uh, the, the sellers on eBay are selling that book for $700. That's not mm -hmm. an uncommon kind of markup that you find on eBay. Uh, now, can I speak as a, as a person who has sold many, many, many books, hundreds of books on eBay mm -hmm. as a dealer? There's a reason. They call it Feebay. Because <laughs> as a seller, you are getting whacked with 12.5% uh, of the sold price in fees, along with a 3% surcharge for PayPal fees. So that 15% kind of eats into your margin. And if you're a good dealer, you're always looking at your margins. How can I, how can I do this? How can I make this up? And one way is for that $500 book to ask for 700 a little extreme if you ask me another way is to offer free shipping but put the price in the book uh, for the shipping so these are little things you have to watch out for if you are uh, buying a book from a dealer but you were making you were on your way to make a good point about that 700 dollars book that i only really want to pay 600 for what do i do well the best thing to do is first of all you can look at those sources another good way of finding out what books are going for is look at these uh, sold completed auctions so when you go to search for a book on ebay uh to the left of the search button there's a little uh, text link that says advanced if you click on that and you look through the listing you'll see a choice there that says um sold listings you can check that box and then hit search again and it will return the listings that have completed and sold so these are what the books actually sold for not for what someone is listing them for so if that's if that uh, book that says seven hundred dollars is actually selling for five fifty, um, it gives you a good estimate, a good a good view of what previous sales are, and gives you a way of shaping what you uh, offer that that seller uh, 
for that book. Let's talk about offers. It, sometimes people have a buy it now price and right underneath that buy it now button, there is make offer. Um, I'm going to be Susie Orman here. Always, always use the make offer button. Don't right. press buy it now if there is an offer button. The offer button is there. The dealer enables the offer button. It's not automatic. They have to actually say, you know what? Allow people to make an offer on this book. There's a reason why they have that button enabled. They want to be able to look at offers. So give an offer. Now, some dealers are really sensitive. They get very emotionally attached to their books. So when your $700 book, you go in and you lowball it, quote unquote, at $400, they may just ban you, <laughs> block you. <laughs> Don't get offended. You know, fine. It's not someone you want to deal with anyway. Go find another dealer that is a little more reasonable and and make that offer, you know, but be reasonable. Uh, I've gotten very surprised um, a lot of times when I just put an offer in on a book and it's immediately accepted. Yeah. And you never know. I mean, always put an offer in because that seller may be motivated to sell. They see the offer. It's Mm -hmm. timing for them. They need the money. They'll accept the offer and sell the book. Um, and you've got, sorry, Richard, you've got two things happening too with, with a lot of books like that that have been up for a long time. And this is a good way to test a dealer on, on their tolerance. If a book's been up for weeks and you see it's not moving and it's got to buy it now and it's got to make offer and you make an offer and it gets, sometimes it'll get accepted because it's been up there for a long time. It's not that hot a book, but you kind of want it. Another thing is some people just throw books up there just to show off. And they'll put a ridiculous price on there and they'll never accept any offers. And that's when you know, you know what, I can move on. Right. And to be honest with you, just because a a sale or a listing doesn't have a make an offer button doesn't mean that you can't contact the seller and make an offer. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just means there's no automatic way of doing it. And I've bought books that way several times where I see a price. I really want something a little more attractive for me. Uh, there is no, there is no uh, buy it now or, or, or I'm sorry, there's no offer button. I'll just go through eBay, find uh, and contact the uh, the seller directly, make a reasonable offer, and make a nice, you know, friendly message. And a lot of times they will accept my offer and will sell me the book at that revised price. That's a great point you just made, though. It's all in the approach. You right. make a friendly offer. You don't just throw up. I'll pay four hundred. It, you know, I used to get those and be like, no, you won't. You'll pay what I have on there. <laughs> so, you know, it's really, it, it sounds really dumb, but it's a lot of times it's just, you know, you catch a lot more flies with honey. Right. Um, yeah. And also one thing you have to be careful about, uh, just like any other transaction, you really want to buy the seller. In mm-hmm. other words, look at that seller. eBay gives excellent uh ways of seeing what the feedback score for sellers are and uh it's given as a number indicating how many transactions they've done and then as a percentage to indicate how many positive feedback uh responses they've gotten uh anything less than 100 you want to be uh be aware of why uh look through their feedback and see if you can determine sometimes it's it's the person who's buying is the problem um, there's really no no way of uh, getting around that. But look at the feedback. Look at the seller. Are they new to eBay? Uh, do they, or do they have a track record of selling? And it's such a good point, Richard, because uh, new sellers, you know, they may have like a five feedback. 
don't be scared. Go look at it and see if it's all positive. And more importantly, is it all comic book related? If it is, they're just starting out. I've gotten some great deals from new sellers because people are too scared to buy from them. Remember, you're paying with PayPal. You have eBay buyer protection. Even if you get ripped off, you will get your money refunded if you can present your case factually. Uh, I've never had a problem getting my money refunded when uh, I've been taken for a ride, which has only happened really a few times. I've been a, a member of eBay since 1999. So, Take a chance. You might be surprised. Now, what to look out for with feedback is someone who has tons of feedback and they haven't sold anything in like three years or five years. And all their old feedback is like for auto parts and shoes and like, you know, desks and things like that. That may be somebody whose account got hacked. Right. And now someone's trying to run a scam with that slabbed 9.8 Incredible Hulk number one from 1963 that uh, they're only asking $400 for. I mean, go for it, right? Sometimes you got to use your head. People. Yeah, I, I came, ran across a number of those scams uh, last year where uh, there would be some seller from um, Singapore, for example, selling, mm -hmm. selling a really valuable book for $40. And you are, you know, wondering, ooh, ooh, is this an opportunity? Uh, it's really a scam. As a matter of fact, uh, I actually fell for one of those uh, and actually put in a, uh, an offer for it before I realized what I was doing. Mm -hmm. eBay came in themselves and wow. canceled the transaction and banned the user because apparently he was making a pattern of doing this. So it's like I have everything else, but, but buyer beware. Yeah, I have to say, uh, it's it's sad that it has to come to this, but I only do U.S. transactions only. I don't do Canada. I don't do U.K. I don't do uh, Madagascar. I stick to the U.S. only <laughs> because, you know, there's a lot. the shipping is trackable. You can kind of see where your book is going throughout the system. So that brings me to another uh, great thing about buying from eBay that you want to look out for, shipping. Look at the shipping cost because I can't tell you how many times I've almost – in my early days gotten really taken for a ride where there's a book that's 499 but shipping is 1450 right why are you charging $14.50 for shipping um don't don't fall for that uh and also there's nothing wrong with shooting a little note to someone when you buy a book saying hey can you please secure this between two stiff pieces of cardboard put it in a uh, priority mailer and mark it please do not bend you, you got to walk people sometimes you got to hold their hands when it comes to shipping because then if you get sent in a you know a padded envelope and it gets jammed into your mailbox you, you didn't speak up before it got shipped and that has happened to both of us i know uh, <laughs> not <people>. me <laughs> people have slipped think all they need to do is take a manila envelope put the comic book in the manila envelope put some stamps on it and drop it in the mail um giving them the prompting of what they need to do to protect the book, because in some cases, this is the first comic they've ever sold and ever had to ship. So giving them a little bit of tips, a little little guidance will help both of you, because then you you won't have to dispute the, the, the transaction and they'll get their money. And also, when you're buying a book and you know you want to pay $150 max for this book, it's just like buying a house. I don't know if anybody here besides us has ever bought a house. You've got your mortgage. Yes, 
You've also got property taxes. You've also got home insurance. You've also got maintenance and upkeep. So that $2,000 a month mortgage payment all of a sudden becomes $3,500 a month. That's your actual payment. Look at buying a book the same way. You've got the cost of the book. You've got the cost of shipping. And now, thanks to our great federal government, you've got sales tax on top of that which you didn't use to pay sales tax on eBay, sort of. Like yeah, that. and th that's been a real, real hit because if you bought that $500 book and are paying 8% sales tax mm -hmm. on that book, it's a shock when you go to the checkout. And Southern California, highest taxes in the nation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to end up paying that sales tax. And so factor that in. So if you're going to buy that amazing Spider-Man 300 for $2,000, eBay may not be the best route to do that. There are other alternatives uh, for those high uh, dollar value books. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it's a, it's a good tool and it's an important tool in my buying, my buying uh, toolbox. Okay, so we've talked about buy it nows that option. But eBay is known for one thing originally, which is being an auction house, right? So right. What, what are your tips for buying it when it's at auction? You Let's use your amazing Spider-Man 9.8 issue 300 as an example. Somebody's got it up for one penny is the starting bid. Oh, I love those. Uh, yeah. Uh, there a lot of, first thing I do is when I search for books, I, I order the books in a certain way. And in, in the search, um, in, in eBay search tool, you can you can sort the books so that the most recently listed books are, are, are on the top, or you can put it so that the books that are ending soonest are on the top. Mm -hmm. So depending on what I'm looking for, and some, I'll usually do both. I'll find newly listed books, which are opportunities to, uh, so somebody's just listed it. You can see uh, it's probably got zero bids if, if it's an auction. Sometimes you can reach out to those people. They need the money. You can do a deal with them. Uh, before anybody else has an opportunity, it's a good way of dirty, dirty little secret. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other way is doing uh, ending ending soonest. You can see what auctions are, are are about to end. Sometimes those auctions may be under bid, and you can get a good deal on something because people aren't paying attention. Um, or it may be uh, one of the other things that you you do is sometimes the search uh, people have spelled words incorrectly. eBay's gotten better about this, but. Those misspellings, if you search for those misspellings, sometimes you could find books that people have mislisted and therefore the number of bids on that book are a lot lower. Um, so look out for those opportunities. That's a really good point, Richard, because one thing I like to do is I like to search for general lots. So if I put in Marvel Western lot or Western comic book lot, I found some really cool gems there like 35 cent kid cult variants. Uh, that are worth hundreds of dollars that I got the lot for like seven bucks. Um, one time I bought a Western lot and this was in it. Lobo yeah. number two. I think I'm trying to get out of the light there. Lobo is the first comic book to ever feature an African-American protagonist as the star. And this is a very expensive book. I got it in a Western lot, I think for like five bucks. You know, you kind of want to just look at the picture and just kind of zoom in. I'm sure telling all of our secrets. We shouldn't. Oh, I know. I I bought a lot. Uh, this is my 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 best story. Um, I looking for Ultimate Fallout, uh, Ultimate Fallout lot. Found a Canadian seller. I'm not afraid to buy from our North brothers up up north. 450 for the entire set of Ultimate Fallout one through six plus all the variants. Uh, 450 bucks. I bought it immediately. Mm -hmm. I those books in. It included the the rare the variant. 
that is worth now about three thousand uh, dollars it also included ultimate fallout the original book which is a five hundred dollar book nowadays uh, it's amazing. I was able to just to sell those books, make a huge profit, and I still have the rest of the set. So definitely sets are, are a great way or lots are a great way of finding, um, you know, that that diamond in the rough. And if you don't have your favorite books set as a search, you want to go in and do that as well. So I was trying to build up an entire run of the book Venus from uh, Atlas Marvel in the 50s. And it was 19 issues, and it was a very tough run to do. I wanted to challenge myself. So I set alerts for each of the issues, Venus 14, Venus 15, Venus 16. And every morning I'd get up and I'd have an automated email telling me, here are the new listings for that. And I was able to snag a lot of my books the minute they went live because I had a safe search. Right. Those safe searches are great tools for people who are looking for specific books. Easy to set up. You type in a search term, you'll get the results at the very top, right below the search bar is a little heart uh, for saying save search. You click that heart, it gets added to your list of saved searches. So you can uh, edit those saved searches so you'll get uh, email uh, notifications. You can also get notifications on your mobile device. And it's a it's a way, way of, of getting alerted when those books are listed uh, on eBay. And, and hopefully you can get a, a jump on the competition. I have not... I can't, I can't tell you how many times a safe search has gotten me just something fantastic. I think one of my favorite stories is I had a saved search for Tip Top Comics. Uh, I can't remember the issue number right now, uh, but it's the first appearance of Peanuts, Charles Schultz, oh, wow. uh, in okay. comics. And it was one of those books that I've always wanted, and I got it for like $200. It was a good – I got it slabbed. It was raw. I got it slabbed. It came back as a 5.5. I sold that sucker for $3,600. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Thank awesome. you, Dave Search. I love those kinds of stories. That's one of the things that's fun about this hobby is just finding those those treasures and uh, the excitement that you get around uh, discovering those kinds of things. Speaking of discovering things, we're going to talk about an artist discovery from the late 80s after toiling for years on what he called a, quote, dog of a book called Infinity Incorporated. Todd McFarlane moved over to Marvel, took a run on the Incredible Hulk with Peter David that completely transformed the character and transformed his career when he moved over to the Amazing Spider-Man, as we discussed earlier. Yes, our artist spotlight this week is on Todd the God. Todd the McFarlane. Todd father, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Todd did Amazing Spider-Man for 298 to 328 and uh, really shaped that book for, for, for that run. I mean, really, his... His uh, Spider-Man was so unique and iconic that you can recognize with those big eyes, you can recognize a Todd McFarlane Spider-Man uh, from, from a distance. Really, really an important artist for the title. And he got lots of crap for it, too, at first. Uh, his editor, Jim Salakrip, did not like it. John Romita, who was the art director of Marvel at the time, did not like the webbing and the eyes. I will give credit for the rolled-up spaghetti webbing to michael golden who did it first sorry todd michael golden did it first but todd eventually proved all his critics wrong and really took that title from being just kind of in the doldrums as we discussed earlier to being the number one title at marvel above x-men for a bit right and he moved on to uh the the spider-man title no no adjectives attached to it yeah. um, 
including Spider-Man. Have you ever read it? <laughs> no, I have not. I have several copies of, of issue number one. Um, it's pretty. Let's just say it's a pretty <laughs> book. Yeah, issue number one sold two and a half million copies. That is unbelievable today when the the, the top books sell 200, 250,000 uh, copies. If it's, that. It's a, yeah, it's amazing how many books sold back then uh, in the 90s. Uh, Spider-Man adjectiveless title may not have won any Eisner awards for uh, plotting or dialogue, but the art was great. And then they along Todd, along with Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and Eric Larson decided to have a little power play at Marvel and demand a little bit more, didn't get what they wanted. So they took their toys and went to form image. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what a what a great move, in my opinion. Um, maybe not so great for Marvel, but uh, for those artists, it kind of removed the shackles from their creativity, and they came out with a number of important titles. Um, some of them not so important, like Young Blood, but there are a number of of great titles, including Spawn. Uh, Spawn has reached started off. Um, Tom McFarlane started that title off at Image, and it just recently, just this past year reached 301 uh, issues, which is the longest running book, um, just surpassing uh, Cerebus at 300. It's, and when it comes to independence, we're saying, right? Right, in, in, independent titles. So you've got Spawn, uh, which starts off with a huge print run. And for years, issue one wasn't really worth much. I mean, you, you kind of had it like a $5 book here and there if that, but now it's actually starting to pick up a bit, right? Yeah, that's uh, the CGC uh, 9.8s are going for around 100, 110. There is a newsstand variant, which is much more rare than the direct variant. That's going for about $400. And, and you also have the Malibu Sun. I think it's issue number eight. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, which has a preview of Spawn. That one's really tough to find uh, in decent shape and, and fetches some decent coin. And, uh, you know, the Spawn run, Todd was on it for years and years. But uh, in the middle of the Spawn run, around the 140s, Orders got pretty dire. Uh, it, it was not. It was not a good time for the industry as a whole. It was not a good time for Spawn without Todd at the helm. But now you see those issues like 141. There are a few key issues in that low print run era that are insanely expensive right now. Right. Some of those runs were really, really low print runs under nine thousand. And you, if you can, if you if you have a list of those books, you can still find them in in dollar bins because for a, there's a that run of, of spawn wasn't really that well that's why they were low print runs because it wasn't selling that well so i always carry a list with me whenever i go look at long boxes and i come across spawn to see if i can come across some of those low low print run books so now you've got your marching orders go find some uh some scarce spawns that todd has given us and you know, I got to give Todd credit. 300 issues of a creator-owned project is amazing. Um, I, I saw the variant covers for 300, uh, Spawn 300. They're really fun variant covers that are kind of callback to Spider-Man 300, as we've been talking about this entire episode. Uh, you know, there's some really fun variants to go chase down. Right, but my favorite, uh, unfortunately, and I don't know why, um, here is my copy of, of Spawn 100 mm. okay this is his 100th anniversary Great. uh the cover is gorgeous i love 
the gold and the red and the black. It is an amazing combination. And I was really, had, really had my hopes up that 300 was going to be something that surpassed mm-hmm. this in terms of a visual appeal. Yeah. And, eh, the, all, mm-hmm. all, all the covers that came out were were kind of bland. And and there was a cover swipe of Amazing Spider-Man 300. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, I was disappointed with the covers. I thought it was a lost opportunity. 100 was a great cover. 200 was a great cover. 300 was meh. He should have gone the metal cover route with 300. Oh, yeah. That would have been really cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's our look at Todd. I will kind of also, since we're talking about image and long runs, I always want to give a, a shout out and a nod to my man, Eric Larson, who is coming up on issue 250 of Savage Dragon, because that, that is awesome. pretty impressive. And unlike Todd, Eric has written, drawn, and inked every single issue of Savage Dragon, period. Right. By Props, himself. man. Props to Mr. Larson and Mr. McFarlane. All right, so we've got our underrated books of the week. Richard, why don't you start off with yours? Yeah, my book is, um, I think, one of the best covers uh, to come out back in 2019. And that is Immortal Hulk. Trying to get the the glare off of this thing. (laughs) Immortal Hulk 18. Alex Ross has done the covers for this series. And this, to me, is one of the most impressive covers from the entire series. It's a full face of of the Hulk. It fills up the entire cover. The greens are vibrant and and beautiful. And I have not seen anything else um, that is so immediately I could tell you what this book was just by looking at it. I was surprised that they did not take advantage of the the trend nowadays, which is to do the Virgin covers. I I had my finger on the button waiting for them to come out with a Virgin cover of this. They did not, unfortunately. But I have purchased several of these, and I've got them in my long box. And and just waiting for when someone really realizes the next Hulk movie comes out, for example. Someone realizes that this cover is out there and is undervalued. Right now, this book is about a $50 book as a 9.8. Definitely mm. not something that I would bother to get slabbed myself right now. I bought this on eBay. Um, but I think if you come across these, they're still easy to come across at cover price. Buy a couple. Buy three or four. Stick them in a box. Put them in, you know, in bags and boards and forget about them until in five years there is a run on this title. And I think the entire title is the entire series is amazing. Immortal Hulk, not reading it, definitely worth the read. But I think this book, just by the quality of the cover, is something that stands out. Awesome. Well, I'm going to shock you and the rest of the world with my underrated book of the week. It is actually a modern age book. What? I know. (laughs) It is not a copper book. I'm actually picking an actual real live modern book as my underrated book of the week. And that is New Agents of Atlas number one. Uh, I loved Agents of Atlas. It was a series in, in, I think, the early 2010s or so about Jimmy Woo, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., who starts off uh, a new group, basically the 1950s Avengers. You've got Namorita, not Namorita, Namora, uh, Gorilla Man, the Robot Man, 
uh, the original Quasar, uh, Marvel Man, Marvel Boy, whatever you want to call him. He ended up being called the Uranian uh, in that book. And I loved that book. It was one of those books that hung around for a few years. Marvel gave it every opportunity to succeed more than any book I can think of in recent history. There was Avengers crossovers. There were X-Men crossovers. There was everything they could do to make this book survive. They threw at it and it just didn't, it didn't catch on. I loved it. But this is a reboot of uh, Agents of Atlas, and now it's really an emphasis on the uh, characters of Asian uh, descent. Uh, the the key here is that it's the first appearance of a few characters, most importantly Arrow. Uh, is it the first appearance of Arrow, who may be uh, someone to watch in the future, as I bring up my notes here. Um, because in, last year, Marvel and NetEase announced a collab to develop some games, comics, and TV shows for the Chinese market and beyond. So uh, you might start seeing these characters like the Amadeus Cho, Hulk, uh, and Jimmy Woo, and, the Re and Silk being used a little bit more for this Chinese market because there's a lot of money be to be made in that market that uh, Marvel's very smart. You know, there's a reason Disney bought it and there's a reason Disney's at the helm. So new agents of Atlas, number one, there are also five variant covers of uh, various uh, cost. Uh, and there was even a second printing of this book. Um, and right now, 9.8 of the regular edition are selling for about 50 bucks. So I don't even think you need to buy a slap. I think you can go to your comic shop and just kind of go through the boxes and pick up the entire series. I think there were five issues. Um, and it's just something that kind of flew under the radar. And like you said, it's one of those books you put away for a little bit. And when, you know, the Arrow TV show, not A-R-R-O-W, but A-E-R-O, when that show debuts, you're going to really be glad you had this book. Right. And some of the variant covers are when this book came out, there was a lot of buzz around some of the variant covers. Uh, the prices of those spiked. Uh, the prices have since kind of settled. So if you are looking for uh, if you like those variant covers back then, I would shop around. I'm sure you can get a, a good deal on those. But like John said, I wouldn't necessarily get these slabs. I would simply put them away and, you know, for a rainy day. Um, and in a few years, you may be really surprised by the return you get for just that that little bit of of um, forethought. And call me crazy. Buy the digital edition for your Kindle and read it. Greg Pak's a great writer. <laughs> it's really <laughs> good. I mean, I know I'm I'm being really radical here by suggesting you actually read your comics, but Agents of Atlas, I can't recommend it enough. Is very well done. Very well done. Absolutely. And I think that's going to do it for this week, Rich. Awesome. I just want to let everyone know that we really enjoy doing the show and we appreciate people who follow us and uh, like uh, the video. Uh, it's important. It helps the, the, this, the show uh, find an audience and we really appreciate it. We've just been really overwhelmed by the the positive response so far. Uh, we feel we're we're hitting a nerve somewhere for some of you, which is great. Uh, and so please help us out by subscribing if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, Bronze and Modern Gods. Uh, like this video, that helps us show up in the algorithm. And make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bronze and Modern Gods. Also, later this week, you'll see the launch of bronzeandmoderngods.com. Yes, our own website where it's a one-stop shop for everything from two guys in their 50s. 
<laughs> oh boy, not everything, but a lot of things. When it comes to comics, at least. Oh, when it comes to comics. Yeah. And understanding spouses. All right. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. And we will see you next week. <laughs>